It's good to be here with you tonight. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Murray. I'm one of the team members here at the Virgin Church, and uh, it's really great to have you here. Um, I've got the privilege tonight to, to come around and share the word, and um, it's something I don't take lightly, but I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. I just thought I'd rather have a conversation with you where you can't talk back to me and I can talk to you. So it's kind of like preaching anyway. But look, I, I actually just want to sit and just share a bit of my, my heart and um, share some scriptures and, and really some stories. And I just hope that somewhere along the lines that God connects with you where you're at and you, you take something away from tonight. Why don't we just uh, pray and just uh, give this opportunity for God to move. Lord, we just want to thank you for tonight. We want to thank you that, Lord, the creator of the universe, you are here with us right now. And through this next 15 minutes, we just uh, give you opportunity to move. We open our hearts. We open our ears. We, we pray that uh, you would just do whatever you want to do. We give you permission that we would walk away changed tonight. May you speak to all of us, including me tonight, as, as I bring you this message you put on my heart. I pray people would hear your words and not my, my words tonight, Lord. And we just give you opportunity to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I got the privilege tonight just to share the final part of the three-part series that we've been uh, sharing on called The Way of the Cross. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of different topics. And the first one was deny yourself. The second one was take up your cross. And tonight, I've been given the privilege to complete it with follow me. Now, whenever I think of those words, follow me, there's... There's one scripture that comes to mind that just echoes in my ears. And it's, it's the story of when Jesus calls his first disciples. And if you do have your Bibles, it's uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. I'm just going to read this to you quickly. One day, one day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing nets into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the, uh, up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in the boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. He called to them and said, come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, we can read this as such a simple story. Jesus was about 30 years of age, and he calls out to these guys, these, these four boys, and he said, come follow me. Now, we can just read this and just move on to the next subject or the next scripture that comes along. But you know, there is so much just in this short few sentences about Jesus calling his first disciples. Now, what does it mean to follow God? Well, the first point I want to bring to you tonight is he calls us. Who did he call that day? We read about the disciples and, and for years I would read the Bible and hear stories about them thinking they were grown men. But do you know that Peter, the scholars say, could have been at the age of 16 or 17 years of age, just young boys. All those four boys, 16, 17 years of age. Now, I don't know about the culture of the time, but I can only imagine what I was like when I was 16 years of age. I had a, I've got a 16, well, I had a 16-year-old son, he's older now, but 
I didn't know who I was at the age of 16. Um, I didn't have a job. I had a, or I had a part-time job, but I was still in school. I was figuring stuff out. I didn't really have a confidence. I didn't really know the person that I wanted to be. I was just this young guy still under the covering and sleeping in my house of my parents who pretty much supplied everything for me. And I was just a young boy. I had plenty of dreams. So when Jesus calls to these boys, they were 16 years of age. So when they left their father at the boat, they didn't just leave Jesus to follow him for the day. When Jesus put the challenge out and said, hey, and he called them, said, come follow me. They left their father behind in the boat. They left their mother. They left their security of who they were as a young person. And they didn't just follow Jesus for one day. They abandoned their life and decided to follow this crazy guy who just said, come follow me. When you think about that, think back to when you're 16 years of age. Could have you have left home? Well, some of you may have. But could have you have just left home and given up your entire world, your identity? Even coming home after a long day fishing on the water and mummy has made you a nice hot meal and tucked you into bed and given you a hug and a kiss and said that I love you. They gave it all up as young boys to follow after Christ. The other thing I love about Jesus, he saw these boys where they're at. He saw that they were fishermen. And he said to them, I see who you are. You're a fisherman. He named them. He says, I can see that you've got the skill. You know how to fish. You know how to, to bring in the catch. You know how to make a living out of it because that's what they were doing. He says, but I want to make you not just a fisherman, a fisher person for a living. I want to make you a fisher of men. I want to teach you what it is to catch men for the kingdom of God. Men, women, children, you will become a fisher of men. I love that about Christ. He sees you where you are. He knows who you are. In fact, the Bible says that He formed you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He, he knew you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. So when He looked at these boys, He saw their past. He saw their skill. He saw their brokenness. He saw the things that they were good at. And He said, I will use that. And I'll turn around what you've been training to do, the person that you are, and I will use that to catch men. You know, when Moses stood before, uh, before God and God said, I want to use you to set my people free, Moses had this stutter. And he said, I can't even talk, God. How can you use me? He goes, I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to offer. Can you not see I'm broken? I'm a murderer. That I've, I'm, I'm fleeing from, from Pharaoh in the first place because I murdered one of his officials. He was a broken, broken man. He didn't have his life together. He went from being in a royal family to tending the sheep. And he says to God, I have nothing. But that did not stop God from using his nothing. God said to him, what's in your hand? He said, I've got a shepherd's staff. And God said, I will use that then. And throughout the stories, as you read it, time and time again, when there was miracle after miracle, where the seas were parted, had to do with this shepherd's staff that meant nothing. So when God calls you and when God calls me, 
We don't have to be perfect. He sees you as you are. He sees the good in your life. He sees the brokenness. He sees the bad things that have been done to you. He sees your confidence level. He sees your future. He sees the family that you've been brought up, the family you haven't been brought up with. He sees it all. But he's still not scared to call you and say, come follow me. I just blows my mind every time I, I read that scripture. He wants to use what's in our hands. He will use your success. He will use your misfortune. He will use your past. And he will use your presence. Present. When God calls us, he uses all of us. Things that we think are insignificant, things that he can't use, and he uses it to build his kingdom. So when we follow Christ, he calls us. The second thing he does, which is nuts, but he calls us to follow him. So when we decide to follow him, he then sends us out. God, okay, hang on. You're calling me to follow you, but now you're pushing me away and you're not with me. It doesn't make sense, but that's exactly what he did to his disciples. In, in Luke chapter 9, How's this one-way conversation going, by the way, guys? Going well? In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples. So it's gone from 4 to 12. And he gave them the power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell, then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing on your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave that town. And if the town refuses to welcome you, shake the dust off your feet as, as you leave and show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. So they began the circuit. I love how they, it's put in the Bible. They began the circuit of Villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. When he sends us out, he sends us out with nothing. Yeah, right. He calls these 16-year-old boys from the shore to leave their mother, their father, everything they've ever known, the comfort of their house, and they go on this wild adventure with Jesus and he says, now you're on your own and you can't take anything. I read this, I thought that is so unfair of Jesus to rip these boys away from all that they've known and then send them out with nothing. And I actually got frustrated with God and said, God, why would you do something like this? And I read this over and over again. And then I read it one more time and I realized that he didn't send them out with nothing. It's found in the very first verse. He said he gave them the power and authority to cast out all demons and heal every sickness and disease. He didn't just send them out with nothing. He sent them out with his power and his authority. So when we choose to follow Christ, not only does he call us, but he equips us with all that he has and all that he is. He welcomes us into his family and he calls us his sons and his daughters. But not only that, he gives us the authority that he has, the authority of his name. He sends us out with his word. 
Uh, I recently walked across Spain, which most of you guys uh, already know, and I've probably flogged this story a million times, too many. But I got a different element and different aspect of it. But God did so much in my life when I was over there. Um, but I'd stay in hostels and walk from village to village, town to town uh, across Spain. But my most favorite time of the day was getting up and leaving before the sun rises. If, if you'd mind, girls, just putting that first picture up. They were some of the most incredible sunrises across Spain. This day I got up uh, when it was pitch black and I didn't have a head torch or anything like that, but there was a trail I had to follow. So all I had was my iPhone and I clipped it to my bag and this my little light was enough just to light two or three meters ahead of me. I did that because I love the sunrise so much, but yet I really didn't know where I was walking. I knew there was a destination I had to get to, but I couldn't see what was in front of me, only two or three meters ahead. It didn't make sense. It just like, I knew I had a destination to get to, but I couldn't see where I was going. And and the only thing in front of me was this little tiny torch. And, and I, I didn't know the direction where I was supposed to go, but every now and then I knew I was on the right track because this thing came across my path. If you kindly put the next photo up, girls. Was the trail is marked with these tiny little arrows to say that you are going in the right direction. Literally, there's thousands of arrows upon this walk that runs for 800 kilometers across Spain. Every few hundred meters, you'll see a little arrow as a guide to say, hey, you're in the right direction. You know, I, th I find that with God as well. When he sends us out, we, we might not see where we're going sometimes. You know, when you walk and you follow Christ, he says, come follow me, then he sends you, sends you out. You could be doing what you think God is calling to do, but yet you cannot feel God anywhere. You cannot see God anywhere. Your world could be crashing around you and you not even understand. You think, God, where are you? You told me to follow you, but you're nowhere to be seen. Has anyone ever been in that situation? I've been there a million times. But every now and then, there's an arrow that reminds you that you're going in the right direction. There's a scripture in the Bible. It's uh, Psalm 119, verse 105. It says this, Your word is a lamp that guides my feet. Sometimes following Jesus means you cannot even see him. But it doesn't mean he's not on that journey with you. And he sets these little things in motion. Let, let me give you an example. I've lived my life by following arrows. Not physical arrows, but God guides me where I think, okay, God, where are you? You told me to go in this direction, but you know where to be seen. Uh, in September, just before I went on this trip, I flew up to the Gold Coast. My son Jacob just started a new course. I wanted to settle him into the Gold Coast, but my main thing was to tie him into a church. And I didn't really know anyone on the Gold Coast except this one young lady and her husband. Would you kindly put the next picture up, girls? This is Julia. Uh, don't tell Julia this if ever you meet her, but Julia is one of my most favorite people in the entire world. I met Julia when I was a youth pastor and uh, we were running, I was leading a youth, youth ministry at the time and Julia was 13 
Now, the reason why I love Julia, she's so full of life, so full of joy. Uh, she's just the most positive girl. But I connected with her because she's dyslexic. She can't read very well and she definitely can't write. And in fact, I text her tonight and I, I will not get a response out of her because for her to even process the thought of putting a text message together is going to flip her out. It could take her 30 minutes to do so. But if I want to communicate with Julia, I've got to ring her on the phone and I've got her complete attention. She is an amazing, amazing young lady. She came to my house every Wednesday night for our life comp and she just, just rock, rocks everyone's world around her. She's fantastic. But she liked us so much. She, she rang me up and, and my wife at the time when she was 15 or 16 years of age and said, I met a guy and he's a football player. And I went, great. Can't wait to meet this guy. And she said, I haven't gone on a date with him yet. He's asked me on a date, would you guys come and be our chaperones? And I went, yep, <laughs> I will come because I want to suss this guy out. And here is Summy, who was playing for the Raiders at the time in the development team. And we took him out to Coco Black when it was here in Canberra, still open. And it was the most awkward night of my life. Summy didn't say a word. He was quiet. He had sweat pouring down his forehead and he's like twice my size, but for some reason he was super nervous. And we took Summy and Julia out on their first date and they talk about it all the time. Long story short, they fell in love. He's a fantastic guy, loves Julia with all his heart, treats her so well. They're just the best couple and they got married. They moved to the Gold Coast for his football, his uh, career up there. And... Here I was meeting Julia and Summy in, in their church foyer and trying to introduce them to my son, Jacob. Uh, Julia knew him, but I just wanted to tie them into the church. And as I'm standing there uh, going through the service and we're worshipping, the Holy Spirit puts an arrow in front of me, very small, just speaks to my spirit and gives me this one word. Summy is about to get stretched. And that was it. This very, very small arrow. And I said, okay. And I've learned to understand when the Holy Spirit speaks, no matter how small it is, He wants to do something. So I put my attention, I'd walk in that direction of that arrow. So I walk up to them in the foyer and I say these words, guys, can I pray with you? I just feel God's got a word for you. And I said, Sami, God is about to stretch you. And the second I began to respond to that little inkling, that little arrow, the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me more. It said, Sammy, in 12 months' time, your world is about to be turned upside down and you are going to be stretched. And it's going to be a hard, challenging season for you, but I don't want you to worry. God is with you. And these words just flew out of my mouth so, so quickly, and that was it. Based on one word, that Sammy is going to get stretched, and I prayed with him and that was it. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what God was saying. The next night, they invited us over for dinner at the house. Julia takes me for a tour of this beautiful house that they've renovated. But I'm looking at it and it's huge. And it's just a young couple, uh, late 20s. But this house has got like four bedrooms, upstairs rumpus rooms, massive backyard. And it was gorgeous, gorgeous house. And I'm sitting there at a table just listening to them talk and I'm as a couple and they're talking to my son. In fact, they even forgot I was in the room. And I'm thinking about this house and I'm thinking, where are the kids for this house? 
And me being me, I just blurt stuff out sometimes. I said, Julia, are you guys planning to have kids? Is that wrong to say, Lockie? Because you're laughing, mate. <laughs> and she kind of went silent. And I could tell she just got a little stirred up with her emotions. And she said, we've been trying to have kids for years, time and time again. It's been a very challenging season for us, but we haven't been able to conceive. Now, when God sends you out, I was in this room. I followed the arrow at that church and I felt like God was wanting me to continue down that path. But yet, I didn't feel his presence in the place. I actually didn't even feel like Jesus was there in the room with us. The Holy Spirit, I didn't feel the heavens open or, or anything whatsoever. I didn't feel his presence. But I knew that God had given me his name that's above every other name. So I said, is it okay if Jacob and I pray for you? And I, I did a 15-second prayer. And I didn't ask God for a child for them but I just spoke into the situation and I said God I don't understand what the medical situation is here but in the name of Jesus I speak life into this situation I pray that Sammy would and Julia would conceive a child that was it I didn't no no shut the prayer off and we enjoyed dessert it was a great night together three days ago this is a long story but three days ago I opened up Instagram would you kindly put this photo up I see a picture of Julia and Sammy. They conceived two twin babies. They're now five months along in the journey. And I started doing the sums. And it works out that little arrow in the foyer is pretty much exactly 12 months to the day when these babies are due. And I just wonder what would have happened if I didn't follow that little arrow that day. God had a plan and this tiny little arrow turned into be something that is amazing. I said all that to say this, we could go through life when we follow Jesus and he might not even feel like he's walking the journey with us. But every now and then there'll be a little arrow, a little word that pops out. It could be a word of encouragement. It could be you walking down the street and someone catches your eye and you know that God is speaking. It's at those moments when God calls us to follow him, to follow those little inklings, because something small can become something great in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus took these fishermen, these boys, and Peter was just a fisher boy, just a trader, just a laborer. But yet, when Jesus dies and gets raised from, from the dead and goes to heaven, 40 days later, it's that young fisher boy that's probably at the age of about 19 that stands up in front of the crowd and preaches the gospel and thousands are added to the kingdom that day because he followed the arrow. He followed Christ. He followed the word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I got one more. So when Jesus calls us to follow, when, when we're to follow Christ, he calls us, he sends us. And my final point is we dine with him. These boys might have left their mother and their father in a hot meal at the end of every day that their mom might have prepared or the servants of the time prepared for them in a nice cozy bed. They would have seen the highs of Jesus' ministry with the miracles happening left, right and center. Then they would have seen the time of isolation 
when they're all on their own, uh, on their own and even persecuted where no one wanted them around. But it didn't matter what they were going through, the highs, their lows in life, every night they got to dine with the creator of the universe. Man, I've gone through some hard times. I look around this room, I know there's some people that have gone through some hard times. It doesn't matter what you're going through. What does matter is who you dine with at the end of the day. There's a scripture in the Bible. In Psalm 23. Now, my daughter, when she first started school in kindergarten, she had to memorize this as one of the subjects. So she'd come home and say this chapter over and over and over and over again to the point where I got sick of hearing it. But it's this chapter, and it's such a great chapter in the Bible. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. He guides along the right paths. He leads me beside quiet waters. Oh, sorry, I've read that bit. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Regardless of what you face, the challenges, whether you've got no money, whether you don't know if you've got enough money to pay the rent this week or even buy food, or shall I take this job? Shall I take that job? Are people talking about you in your office? Uh, are, they, are they gossiping about you? How you got sickness? Is someone close to you dying? Regardless of what you're going through in your life, the ups and downs, where Jesus doesn't even feel like he's in the room, he gives you the right to dine with him at his table. He calls you your son and your daughter. Some of the hardest times of my life were also some of the most peaceful times of my life because God opened up his table to me in my hard times. I remember sitting there, I still do it. When life is too hard, when I feel like giving up, I grab that communion cup and that bread and I sit down and I dine with Jesus. We have access to the creator of the universe regardless of what we go through in life. Is following Jesus easy? (laughs) Definitely not. Who enjoys it? There are definitely elements and aspects that I love about following Christ, but there's also elements and access, what points, that make it hard. It's hard in the world that we live in to stand up for the morals and the values that we believe in when the world is bombarding us and even getting angry and violent towards Christian. But yet, he gives us opportunity to sit at his table. So when we follow Christ, he calls us, he sends us ahead, and he allows us to dine. I close with this story. How do we practically follow Christ? If you were to ask me, it's so simple. I keep looking for the arrows. Even when I'm lost, 
I'm always trying to tune my ear to what God is saying in that moment. And if he's not speaking, I just keep walking and I keep holding true to his word. I read his word. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the arrow which directs me through life. Uh, I think it was late last year, Tyne invited me to her lifecom that she was running at the university in UC, uh, in uh, ANU. And I had not been to ANU ever before, but yet this church, this gathering here, was founded as an outreach to that university. It's always been in the heart and the DNA of this church. And Tyne invited me to come and just to share some stuff and I didn't know where to park because I didn't know. So I ended up parking like right on the other side. It was the only place I could find. And I literally had a 20-minute walk to get to this place. So I, it was good for me because I got to pick up the culture and walk through and see all the buildings. But when I got to the, the part, I could see where the building was where I was supposed to head. There was a pub there and it was full of young uni students. And I'm not an alcoholic, but something was tugging on my heart. And there was an arrow pointing towards the pub. And as I'm walking up to this building, I just couldn't take my eyes off this pub. And I, I looked at all these young people having a great time. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could have a chicken snitty with pepper sauce right now. I'd love to sit down and join some of these guys at the table and just, just hang out. But God did something in my life that night. And I picked up an arrow. And it hasn't left me since that night. And I came and we shared. I can't even remember what we talked about. It must have been amazing. But I left that university that night thinking, God is wanting to do something here. There's an arrow, there's a tug. And I, it's like the direction that God is, is tugging on my heart. And I have never been able to shake it. Now, Ryan and Nicole have been doing some amazing things in the university with red frogs and going into the, to the accommodation complexes and and, and I'm all for it and I'm 100% backing it. In, in my mind, God is tugging on my heart to do something in the university. And I just shared with Ryan this week. I said, Ryan, what do you think about Alpha as an idea? Now, I haven't put anything in concrete, but what I'm saying to you right now is there is an arrow for me that the Holy Spirit has targeted as I was on a journey to a life calm that God is wanting to do something. And it's only such a small thing for me to maybe sit down with a couple of guys around a Bible and share the Alpha course. But yet, as you said with Julia and Sammy, that that small arrow can turn into something significant. That's what it is for me to follow Christ. In a world where sometimes he doesn't feel like he's with me, when a world when he sent me out and I feel like I'm all alone, I look for the arrows. I said all that to say this. When was the last arrow that God put across your path? Maybe you've walked away a little bit too far off the beaten track and you know it, but yet there's an arrow pointing back that God is wanting you to walk that way. It might be as simple as a conviction that God is asking you, man, you don't really need this thing in your life. This is not right for you. It could be a little tug on the heart. It could be a work colleague at work where God has put them on your heart and they've been sick or they've got something as simple as a cold and it might be a tug on the heart where the Holy Spirit's saying with an arrow, pray for them. Ask them out for a coffee. 
Who knows what could take place from you responding to that still small little arrow and what doors could open up. Why we pray? I've spoken too much tonight. Thank you for listening to me. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the way of the cross. I thank you it's been a fantastic series. But Lord, I thank you that tonight I had the opportunity to share about come, follow me. Father, I thank you, Lord, when we follow you, first of all, you call us. You see us where we're at. You want to take us exactly where we are. You don't want to change us. You don't want to make us better before you do so. You call us where we're at. Lord, I understand there'll be people here tonight that might not even know you properly, who you really are. I thank you that you're calling them into a relationship with you tonight. Lord, not only do you call us, Father God, that you send us out, but you don't just send us out with nothing, you send us out with everything. I pray you would help us, Lord, to operate in the gifts that you've sent us out with, with the authority and the power of your name. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that that would stir in our hearts tonight. Lord, that this week, Lord God, that we would recognize where you've sent us, whether it's your work, our workplaces, whether it's our family. Lord, may we see the need and Lord, operate in your authority and your name. And Father, help us, no matter what we go through, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, that we have a seat at your table. And we can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Lord, I pray your blessing upon every single person in this room tonight. Thank you we could gather together. Thank you you've been here in our midst, Lord God. I pray your blessing upon everyone as they go their own ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen.